0: All right, what a great, great time we had last night, 6 o'clock, right here in the parking lot, and that was wonderful. Great turnout for Memorial Day weekend. Perfect weather. I mean, there is a little breeze. It's about 70 degrees. The cloud the sun, uh, the sky was great, and the sun was a little bit behind the clouds, so you didn 't get hot at all, and uh, we just ministered the word of the Lord, we worshiped God, and boy, I really sensed the presence of the Lord, and I felt like the Lord laid a word on my heart. I felt like it was a word in due season, and I enjoyed preaching it. It was lessons from the storm, and i 'd like to continue part two on that, lessons from the storm and i 'm going to look at uh, the Gospel of Mark, his account. last time we looked at the Gospel of John, both Matthew. Mark and John give us the account of the story of the storm and Jesus walking on the water to the disciples in that storm. In the book of Matthew, it talks about how Jesus called Peter out of the boat and Peter actually walked on the water for a brief bit before he began to sink. Uh, But in Mark's account and John's account, it just has Jesus walking on the water. So we're going to look at Mark's account. I'm going to take a look at Jesus. Last night, we looked at the storm and the disciples. And today we're going to look at Jesus and the disciples, part two of lessons from the storm. So reading from Mark's gospel, chapter six, verses 45 to 52, it reads as follows. Immediately his disciples got into the boat and go, excuse me, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining and rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, that's 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So he sent them away in the evening, 8 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. It's... Five, six, seven hours later, and they're straining and they're rowing. You know, it's the third watch of the night, about 3 a.m., or excuse me, the fourth watch of the night. The Bible says, He came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them. I love that. They cried out, they were troubled. He talked to them. They cried out. They were troubled. I tell you what, that's not the way it is sometimes with us, right? We're crying out. We're all troubled. And then he talks with us. And he said, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them and the wind ceased and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves because the heart was hardened. That's interesting. They had not understood about the loaves for the heart was hardened. Well, what's that? Well... The, the day previous, Jesus had fed the 5,000. And after feeding the 5,000, it was getting later in the day, he sent the multitudes away. He told his disciples to get into this boat. They got into the boat to go, cross over to the other side. Jesus goes up to the mountain to pray. He then comes on the fourth watch, about 3 a.m. in the morning, walking on the water, and uh, they're just all troubled. And uh, Jesus comes presenting himself as... The great I am who can walk on water and uh, be sovereign or Lord over storms. And the Bible says that they were troubled and that they marveled. And uh, uh, the scripture says they were amazed because their heart was hardened. See, the previous day, Jesus revealed himself as I am the bread of life. He's always trying to reveal to his disciples that he was God in the flesh that he was God Almighty, the I am of the Old Testament that had come down in the flesh so that their eyes would be open, their faith would be enlarged, that they would believe that he was truly the Savior of the world, the Son of God, and all power rested in him. But their hearts were a little hardened. They didn't make the transition from the lesson the previous day of turning Uh, really multiplying uh, five loaves and two fishes into a great feast for everybody. They, They didn't transition from that lesson to this day. And listen, learn our lessons, make sure what we're learning today will transition to tomorrow and what we're going through tomorrow so that our faith might grow, right? Our faith might grow in who Jesus is. Jesus loves to teach us lessons from the storms. I talked about that last night, and last night I talked about uh, uh, some of the men on my staff and the lessons that they learned through the storms, and this past Wednesday, a few days ago, I asked the women of the church to talk about uh, lessons that they're learning, and uh, Sister Jen, she talked about how the lessons she's learning that you got to learn to abide in the vine. During this time, learn to be abiding in Jesus, right? And Sue talked about how she's learning that God is with us. God is with us in this storm. And of course, my great wife, Pastor Rhonda, she talked about how this is practice, We're practicing. It's it's in great tribulation, and we're worshiping God, and she's looking for that great day when Jesus returns, that we're going to be caught up to be with him in the the air and and live with him in heaven and worship God in heaven, and so we're practicing down here to worship God. I remember in the very beginning, the Lord spoke to me out out of the book of Psalms, and he says, be still and know that I am God, and You know, that's one of the lessons that I've learned is, okay, still my heart, be at peace, be at rest. Everything's going to be okay. Know that God is in the midst. And another word, he spoke to me in the midst of this storm. As I was reading an article, and in this article, it said this, don't wait till after this pandemic to have joy and peace in God. Have joy and peace through this. And God spoke to me, and so I've endeavored to be intentional, to, de- to, to have peace through this, to have joy in this, to try to overcome in this, to not be overcome, to have a good heart, a right spirit. You know, I want to make sure I'm passing the test so that I can get promoted out of this thing so I'll never have to go through this thing again. I'm just saying I'm just saying. I asked a couple of my ministry friends, you know, what they're learning through the storm. And we we support David Pepper, who's a missionary to the Amazon. And he said this, he's learning to express his faith in love. You know, faith works by love, the Bible tells us. And that's the lesson he's learned, not just to have faith, but to, to reveal that faith and to show that faith with loving heart and loving works. Pastor Jake Olet, my son-in-law, he says, I'm learning this, dad. He says, you know what? I was full of anxiousness and some fears, but God spoke to me to just rest in him to do those things that he's called me to do, to not try to imitate or do what others are doing, But just simply do what God has called me to do and find rest in God. Well, that's a great lesson. Pastor Kemp Holden said this. He's learning this, that fear is far more dangerous than the virus. I'll tell you what, those are great lessons. You know, last night I talked about the two storms. The two storms that Jesus took his disciples through. The first storm, Jesus is in the storm with them on the boat, asleep on a pillow. And uh, they're perishing or feel like they're perishing. And then they go stir them up and wake them up. Jesus, don't you care? Look, we're perishing. And he rebukes the storm. That's storm number one. And then the second storm that he took them through is the storm that I read here. Where they're on the boat in the storm. Jesus is not on the boat with them, but he comes walking to them on the water. So those are two storms that Jesus specifically put his disciples through. In this passage of scripture, I also see two other kinds of storms, the storms on the outside and the storms on the inside, two storms, storms on the outside, storms on the inside. You know, you can have a storm going on all around you, but you can have peace because the storm is not on the inside. I tell you what, it's horrible when the storm is on the outside and the storm is on the inside. And I want to encourage you. We are in a storm. It's all around us. And fear can grip our hearts. But let's believe God that he can speak peace. That he can say, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. So even though the storm might still be going on on the outside... There could be peace on the inside. Amen? Amen. What can we learn about the Lord in this storm? Well, the first thing I want to talk about here is Jesus is praying for you. The Bible says that he sent them away. Then he departed to the mountain to pray. Jesus always prays for us when he sends us. He sent them Then he went up to pray for them. And I know that he has sent us into this world. He sent us to be a light. He sent us to serve, to minister. He has purpose and plans for us. When he sends us, he prays for us. That's the first thing I want to say. He sent them and then he prayed for them. Also, he went up to that mountain. And as he's alone on that mountain, he's praying for them. And this storm arises. So Jesus prays for us when he sends us. Jesus prays for us when we're in a storm. He is praying for you right now. And he is praying for me. The Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Am I right about that? And one way in which Jesus prays for us when we're going through a great trial is found in Luke's gospel chapter 22. I have prayed for you, he says to Simon Peter, his disciple which we are disciples if we're believers. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Jesus prays for you and I that our faith be strengthened. He prays for us to return or to repent. And he prays for our testimony to remain strong. He says, "I when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. In other words, minister to them, influence them, shine your light to them. And so that's three ways that Jesus is praying for you and I. He's praying that our faith be strengthened. He's praying that we might turn to him fully, wholly, completely. And he's praying that our testimony remains strong. We need a strong testimony. The world needs to see Christ in us. They need to see believers believing. The world needs to see believers believing. Will you believe during this time on the Lord? Hmm. It's interesting, Jesus is up on that mountain, which means he has a very high perspective when he was praying for us. Yes, he's up on the mountain, the disciples are down in the the valley on that lake, and uh, he's praying for them, and he's in a higher vantage point, he's in a higher perspective, and when Jesus prays for you and I in the storm, he's praying from a higher perspective. You know, when we pray, when we're in the storm, you know what we're praying? We're saying, oh God, get me out of this, or oh God, end this. Oh, Lord, help me, save me in this. But you know what? Jesus has a higher perspective than that. He sees the end from the beginning. Many times what God is doing in me or in you in a storm has a greater purpose, the advancement of the kingdom of God. Many times we don't even know all that God is up to. You know, when Jesus died and rose again, he's talking to his disciples about ready to ascend to heaven. It's interesting, the disciples ask him this question. They says, now, Lord, are you going to return uh, and set up your kingdom and deliver us from Rome? Well, Rome was the Roman Empire, and they were holding captive, really, the nation of Israel. They were the dominating Roman Empire, and the nation of Israel really was under their control, and the disciples had short-sightedness Jesus is ready to ascend to heaven to establish his church and to advance his gospel and and to empower his disciples and they're worried about the Roman Empire that wasn't going to be around much longer think of all the empires that have come along since that time including the United States of America they they got short-sightedness Jesus has this grand scheme, I'm going to build my church, go into all the world, preach the gospel, he has kingdom, his kingdom to advance and souls to be saved, they're short sighted, and I think many times we get short sighted, it's about what I'm going through, what my family is going through, or what America is going through at this time, and God has this perspective of his eternal will and purpose. Jesus is on this mountain. He sees farther than them. He sees higher than them. He sees better than them. And he is praying for them from that high vantage point. And Jesus is praying for you. And he's praying for things that you don't even see right now. Hmm. One of the ways I believe that we can experience Jesus praying for us because the Bible says he makes intercession for us. One of the ways that we can experience Jesus praying for us is if you pray in your heavenly language, if you pray in tongues, because when you do that, the Bible says the Spirit makes intercession for us according to the will of God. Did you know when you pray in tongues, God is actually praying through you his will for your life? Well, I want the Lord to pray for me, pray in the spirit, pray with other tongues, the spirit of God literally will be making intercession through you according to the will of God. Hmm. When Jesus prays for you, imagine Jesus up on that mountain. It's all dark. It's interesting. You know, storms have come. They're out there three miles out there in the middle of this great big lake. Three o'clock in the morning, Jesus is three miles away on a mountain looking down in the midst of this horrible storm, and he can see them because he's God. In other words, darkness and storm did not cloud the eyes of God from seeing his people. And this darkness that we're in, the storm that we're in, Does not cloud God's eyes from seeing you. And when he prays for you, just like Jesus praying for his disciples, he prays from a heart of love for the glory of God. He prays from a heart of love for the glory of God. Jesus loves you. And when he prays for you, he's praying from a heart of love for you. Praise God. And he's also praying for the glory of God to be revealed in you and through you. You read about Jesus praying about the glory of God for his disciples in his great high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. The glory of God. That's one of the ways in which Jesus is praying for us. Oh God, manifest your glory. Let them see your power. Shine through them. Let them see Me and you in them, O Lord. I mean, Jesus is praying from a heart of love and for the glory of God. The second thing I see here is that Jesus is watching you. The Bible says in verse 48, it's an interesting verse. He saw them, hallelujah, he sees us, straining at rowing. So he saw them straining, struggling, straining, struggling, wearing themselves out becoming, getting to an end in themselves. He saw them straining. God sees your struggles. He saw them straining and rowing. And the Bible says, for the wind was against them. The wind, winds of adversity was against them. Jesus sees your struggle, your straining, you losing strength, your discouragement, your despair, your fear. He sees all those things. And he also sees when the wind is against you. Oh, God is always for you, but sometimes the wind can be against you. The winds of adversity, the circumstances of life, sometimes they can be against us. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Oh, thank God who gives us victory in Jesus Christ. Because he is so for us with his love, his care, his power, his concern, and his prayers. Even though the wind might be against us right now, against your business, against your finances, against your family, against your interferes, though it might be against you, God is for you, and greater is he greater is he the wind of the spirit is greater than the wind of adversity and he's going to push you through to the other side somebody say amen to that jesus is watching you and i like this he's going to come to you at the right time now about the fourth watch or about three o'clock in the morning he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by so he's showing himself as lord over the storm showing himself as Lord over all problems. He's the great I am, walking on this earth, God in the flesh. But he came at just the right time. You know, he could have come three hours early for uh, before they had exhausted themselves. But I want you to know he came at the right time, which is divine time, God's due time. I'm sure if you talk to those disciples, Jesus did not come at the right time. He came late. He he should have come like three hours early. Matter of fact, he never should have sent them and not gone with them if you would have talked to them. But see, Jesus had a plan and a purpose. God always does. And according to God's time, his due time at the right time, his time, he came to them. Now, he saw them straining at rowing and the wind against them. He understood their fears. He's interceding for them. They're really not alone. The Lord's eyes are on them, and his prayer is for them, even though physically he's not with them. They really weren't alone, and I want you to know, even though you don't physically see Jesus, he is praying for you, watching you, and he is coming to you in this storm. And he says, I'm in control. And he's going to come to you at the right time. Jesus many times waits. And why does he wait? So that we will run out of our own strength and we will call out to him for his strength. And Jesus knows when that time is. A lot of times, I I got this. I got this. Everything's okay. I got this. And the Lord says, well, I'm just going to wait a while. I, I, I got this. Well, I'm just going to wait a while. Uh, I, I, I got this. I'm, I'm going to wait a little while longer. I don't got this. I'm coming. Why is that? Because He wants to be your strength. He wants to be your help. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your deliverer. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that the Lord waits that He might be gracious to us. Why does it say that? What does that mean? It means the Lord waits on you to turn to him and call upon him. And when you do that, he'll be gracious to you. So the Lord is waiting, waiting, waiting. What is he waiting for? He's waiting for you to run out of your own strength and to realize you don't have the strength or the wisdom or the energy or whatever it might be. And that you now have humbled yourself and you're calling on the Lord and you're saying, Oh God, I need you. And Jesus will come walking on the water in the midst of the storm and climb into your boat and the wind will cease. And that inner storm will end when you invite Jesus in, when you run out of your own strength. Mm. Jesus gave them a spoken word, says, for they all saw him and were troubled but immediately he talked with them. They were troubled, and he talked with them. They were troubled, he talked with them. God speaks. God speaks when we're in trouble. He talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer. Cheer up. Count it all joy. Everything's going to be okay. It is I, my presence, do not be afraid. My word. It is I, my presence, do not be afraid, his word. He spoke a word to them, a spoken word. i tell you what, there's something powerful about a spoken word from the Lord. When God speaks, all of a sudden faith is there. The awareness that God is near. He'll speak an assurance, he'll speak a promise, he'll speak a principle, he'll speak something from his word that will minister to you. I think of Gideon, who God spoke a word to him when he was troubled. And he said this, Surely I will be with you, and ye shall defeat the Midianites. May you receive that word today. Surely the Lord is with you, and you will defeat this great trial. You will defeat the fear. You will defeat the uncertainty. You will defeat the financial poverty. I think of the Apostle Paul. When he's in that storm and the Lord showed up and spoke to him, I'm going to read this passage out of Acts 27. And now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought to Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Take heart. Do not fear. You're not going to die. My purpose and plan is going to come to pass. I said you're going to Rome. I'm going to get you to Rome. The storm's not going to destroy you. You're going to get there. My hand's on you. And the apostle Paul said, I believed God. When God speaks to you, believe it. Mix that word with faith. Of course, I like Isaiah 41, verse 10. I call it the five pillars of courage. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The Bible says as soon as he got into the ship, the storm ceased and they were amazed. I talked to you about two storms, the outer storm and the inner storm. And I can't control this outer storm, but I do know this. If God speaks a word to your heart and you believe that word and you invite him and receive him into your boat, your life, that inner storm can immediately cease. And when that inner storm ceases on the inside... You can fall asleep in the storm like Jesus because you're so at rest. And you can go throughout your day walking on the water or on top of that storm because of the faith and confidence God has given you. Amen? Amen? Good stuff. Good stuff. Let me pray for you, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray that that inner storm might cease waves and wind storm and fear cease on the inside of every person lord may we trust you may we be still and know that you are god hallelujah thank you lord that we can have a peace that passes all understanding in the midst of an outside storm, Lord, you can speak peace to the inside storm. Speak it right now. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. Let me pray for you if you're lost and without God. And you're live streaming today. You're listening to this message. And you're in the midst of a storm filled with fear, discouragement, despair, doubts, worries, concerns, and anxieties. You need to come to Jesus and receive him as your Lord and Savior. Do you want to do that? Pray with me, all right? I'm going to lead you in this prayer. If you want Jesus to be your Savior, your Lord to come into your life, to change you. Let's pray this prayer together. Just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. I need you, God. Save me. Forgive me. Change me. Help me. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again from the grave. Give me your power. Help me, Lord. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with me, to give your heart to Jesus, just text, I prayed, to 248 846-0178. 846-0178. You have it on your on your, uh, your, your, uh, your screen there, the phone number. Text I pray to 248-846-0178. When you text I pray, just give us your name. Jim Smith. I prayed. 248-846-0178. We'll get some resources in your hands, all right? All right, let's close with this great song. I believe it is, this is a move. This is a move. Hallelujah. I hope this word blessed your heart. Felt like it was a real word from the Lord. God bless you and happy Memorial Day, all right? you enjoy today, tomorrow? I think we're supposed to have pretty good weather. It's a miracle.